Well, once again, good morning. We are so thankful that you are here with us this morning on this last day of this year. So thank you for being here. And I want to tell you, no matter what your year has been like, Jesus is sufficient. No matter what 2024 will be like for you, the good news is Jesus is still sufficient. Let's keep our eyes on Him and on the cross. We're going to be continuing our sermon series this morning in the book of 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 4 this morning, looking at verses 1 through 13. So I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles with you, to go ahead and turn there, 1 John chapter 4. And while you're finding that, just want to remind you of the context of this book. It was written by John uh, somewhere during the time period of A.D. 70 to A.D. 95. And I do want to remind you once again of the theme of this book, it appears over and over and over again as we read through the pages of First John. In fact, we're going to see it again this morning in this morning's text as we read that, as we take a step into that text. And here's the theme that we see over and over again. It's this, God is light and God is love, and believers show their love for God by loving one another. Let's hear that one more time. God is light and God is love. And believers show their love for God by loving one another. And I just want to ask you right at the very beginning, I'll be asking you this again as we get into the sermon this morning, but is that how we love? Is that how I love? Is that how you love? Is it how this church loves? Because let me tell you something I can say with absolute certainty. People are watching they're watching to see how we love each other, how we treat each other, how we treat people that are outside these walls. Are they seeing our love for God by the way that we love? And I hope that the answer to that is yes, absolutely. I hope that that is the answer this morning that the world would give if we were to ask them that question. So at this point, I'd like to ask you, if you are physically able to stand this morning, would you stand to honor the reading of God's Word? And I do want to remind you, as I do often, this is indeed God's Word. 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. 
Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to read your word one more time and to take a step into it. Father, now I pray specifically that you will hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that I will point these people to you and to the cross. Lord, may my life be a reflection of you. And Father, I pray right now that, that you will anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I pray, I pray that you will open minds now to hear and to understand. I pray that you'll prepare hearts to receive. Father, I pray that if there is one here in this congregation this morning or that is listening on the live stream or by the radio, if there is one that is hearing my voice right now, that does not know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that your convicting power will fall upon their lives. Lord, I pray that today will be a day that we see you save and set people free. Father, I pray that you will do great and mighty things, the exceedingly abundantly, the far more abundantly than our minds can even think to ask or imagine. Father, may you do that today. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is probably going to sound familiar if you were listening to the Scripture just a moment ago. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And you know, you probably don't need a reminder right now, but I'm going to remind you anyway, this is the last day of this year. And no doubt, there are some of you throughout this last year that have experienced incredible highs. There are also some of you that have experienced incredible lows. Maybe you have experienced both. Maybe you have been on both ends of that. You have experienced incredible highs and also incredible lows. But what I want you to know this morning is that on both of those days, whether or not you are experiencing an incredible high or an incredible low, Jesus is indeed sufficient. And as we go into this new year, I want to remind you, Jesus is sufficient. Whether or not you are experiencing an incredible high, an incredible low, or somewhere in between. We're in a war. If if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are we're soldiers in a spiritual battle. There are going to be days that are intense. Let's put our spiritual armor on and keep our eyes upon Jesus and remember that he who is in you is indeed greater than he who is in the world. Now, as we begin to look at our text this morning, in the first few verses, we're going to see this, that believers must use discernment. And just so we start on the same page, I want to define this for you, this word. Discernment is the wisdom to recognize truth, from things that are not true, and it requires some work. It requires correctly evaluating whether or not a behavior or a teaching is from God 
or if it's from some source that is not godly at all. Now, I want to tell you, if you've ever taken a spiritual gifts assessment, you know that discernment is one of the spiritual gifts. Not everybody is blessed with the gift of discernment. But with that said, I want you to know that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to discern anything. It just means that you might have to work a little bit harder at it. As Christians, we are to take what we hear Compare it to the Word of God and see whether or not that is true. But it does definitely come easier from some people. And I want to give you an example of this. Probably 30 or 35 years ago, there was a woman that talked to me one day. And at that point, she had three adult children. At that point, 30 or 35 years ago, her three children were already adults. And she was talking to me one day about the importance of taking what you hear and figuring out whether or not it's true. And she said, Todd, if my three children were in a room together, all three of them were in a room, and two people came in to talk to them. One of them was telling the truth, and the other was telling a lie. She said, two of my three children would believe the person that's telling the truth. The other person, every time, will believe the person who is telling the lie. And she said, it's so important to be able to take what you hear and figure out whether or not it's actually true. And church, I want you to know that this morning. It is so important that we take what we hear and compare it to God's Word. Because I'm going to tell you, if we look around our world today, it's plain to tell that a lot of our world has believed a lie. A lot of our world has believed a lie. They are not trying to discern anything other than what's pleasing to their own ears. We've got to do better than that. We've got a responsibility to stand upon the Word of God. Now, again, not everybody has the spiritual gift of discernment, but every true believer should have a longing within their hearts to distinguish between truth versus things that are not true, to distinguish between things that are right versus things that are wrong. It will take some work on your part, but let me tell you, it's worth it. Now, I want to tell you something this morning. I just want to remind you that the primary way that God speaks to His people today is through His Word. That is the primary way that God speaks through His Word. And so since we are starting a new year tomorrow, I just want to ask you, is daily Bible reading a part of your daily life? If it's not, please start. It will be worth it. Make that a part of your daily activities. For me, it's the first thing every morning, just as soon as I get out of bed. That is when... I read my Bible. And, you know, as Mark has been leading the youth through the spiritual disciplines over the last several months, Bible intake is one of the spiritual disciplines. It is so very important. And I want to tell you, you will be much more equipped to know when you're hearing something that's not true if you're in the Word, if you know what the Word says So with all of that said, don't automatically take what you hear and just believe it, not even if that person stands behind a pulpit. Always remember that you, as the hearer, you have the responsibility to take what you hear and compare it to the Word of God. And there you will find the answer, whether or not it's true or whether it's false. And I want you to know that every person 
Every person that stands behind a pulpit, whether it's here or whether it's anywhere across the world, they fall into one of two categories. It's either true or it's not. It's either true or it's not. Church, there's no in-between. It's either true or it's not. Don't fall for something that's not true. Take your responsibility seriously. John says here in verses 1 through 3, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So this is a strong warning, another strong warning that we see from John. Don't fall for false teaching. No right from wrong. And we've got to realize that as this journey, as this journey that we're on, that we have embarked on, it's not always easy. Sometimes the load is heavy. Sometimes the battle is intense. But I want you to know this morning that he who is in you is indeed greater than he who is in the world. I think verse 4 is such a beautiful verse, and it should be a great encouragement to us as followers of Jesus Christ. Will every day be easy? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But will every day be worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. No matter how intense the battle is, if your eyes are on Jesus, if you're seeking Him, then it is worth it. Press on. Press on. But we've got to always realize that, that not all the world will listen to us. Just like these verses that are on the screen right now indicate. Look at verse 6. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever's not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So church, I want to encourage you to stay in the Word. I want to encourage you to pray without ceasing. I want to encourage you do not be deceived by people who do not teach according to sound doctrine. Pray, pay attention. We've got to do that. There's a lot of stuff we hear in our world today. It sounds good. But sometimes when you compare that to the Word of God, it's far from being biblical. We've got to pay attention to what we're hearing and compare that to the Word of God. Now, in the remainder of our verses this morning, we're going to see another main point, and it's this. Believers, true followers of Jesus Christ, we must love as God loves us. And you know, if you've heard other sermons in this particular series, you know that I have made a number of points throughout this entire sermon series that just as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'll say something like this. That sounds like a given, doesn't it? It sounds like a given. We can add this to the list too because this sounds like another given. Believers must love as God loves us. But we've got to ask ourselves the question with that. Is that how we love? Is that how we love others? Or is it just something that sounds good when we say it? Now, we are told multiple times through God's Word how we are to love. But do we actually do it? 
Do we actually do it? Or do we harbor bitterness in our hearts? Do we strike back when we have an opportunity? <coughs> do we love even when we might not feel like it? I know those are delicate questions. And perhaps when you hear that, maybe it's rubbed somebody the wrong way. If it did, fasten your seatbelt because verses 7 and 8 are going to as well. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, when we look at these two verses in their proper context, they're, they're pretty plain. They're pretty plain. But can I tell you something? It's really easy to take these two verses and read them out of context. And I'm going to give you an example of how easy that is to do. Have you ever asked someone, do you follow Jesus? And many times the, just the automatic answer is yes. But if you expand on that question some and say, could you tell me how you think a person gets to heaven? Many people, many people right here in Greensburg and Greene County will give an answer that sounds something like this. I believe that by the day that I die, I must have done more good things than I've done bad things. And if I've done that, if the scale's in my favor, then I'm going to get into heaven. Church, that's not true. That is not true. We can't possibly do enough good things to get in heaven on our own. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody, no one comes to the Father except by me or through me. But can you tell, like, as you look at these two verses, how they could be taken out of context? Let me just give you an example. Have you ever known somebody that they don't, they don't even profess to follow Jesus at all, but they love really well? They love really well. I know a lot of good people, and you probably do too, that they, they don't even pretend that they're a Christian, but they love really well. So with that in mind, and you look at these two verses, does that mean that because they love well, they might even love better than we do? Let's just be, let's be transparent about it. There are people that don't even profess to love Jesus or to know Jesus, and they, they might love others better than we do. Now, that's a shame if that's the case, but it would definitely be possible. So with those people, because they love so well, does that mean that they must be a Christian? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But can you see where the confusion comes in? Why people think, well, I've got to do good things in order to get to heaven. I've got to love well. Let me tell you, when we put these two verses in the proper context, it looks a lot different. You see, true love, loving like God loves, it involves being willing and ready to tell a person how salvation occurs and that it is only available in and through Jesus Christ. That's a characteristic of a true believer, to love people enough to tell them how a person can obtain salvation. Who are we telling about the saving power of Jesus Christ? Do we love enough to do that? I wonder, do we love enough to be burdened for the eternal 
situation with other people? Do we love like that? Now, two other times in the last few months, I've asked this next question. I, I feel led to ask it again this morning. I wonder, do we, do we actually carry burdens for people other than our own self or our own families? Do we carry burdens for strangers that we meet on the street, that we run into at Walmart or at the gas station or at another grocery store or at the ball game? Do we truly carry burdens for those people? So here's the question. If right this second, God answered every prayer that you've prayed over the last three months, and He answered it the way you wanted Him to, how many people would just have entered the kingdom of God because you prayed for them by name, that you were so burdened for where they would spend eternity that you're carrying a burden for them. Church, we've got to be burdened for lost people. We can't just be concerned with, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm good, so let's forget about everybody else. We've got to be just as concerned with that stranger that we see on the street as we are our closest family member. And I'm going to tell you, when we start praying that way, I'm convinced we will see true revival happen in this place. We've got to be burdened for where people will spend their eternity. And maybe you are, and if you can answer that question, yes, I pray routinely for lost people by name. Praise God for that. Keep on. But we all need to do that exact same thing. Now, in order for us to see how God actually loved We need to understand it in order for us to be able to love like God loved. We've got to understand how God loved. And you know, probably if I were going to just say, could you give me a Bible verse that tells us how how God loves? Most of us would probably say John 3.16. And that is a wonderful, wonderful answer. Most of us can quote John 3.16. And that's wonderful that you can. But I want you to see here in this morning's text that verse 9 also gives us the answer to how much God loves. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And I want you to know that not one thing that happened to Jesus took God by surprise. God knew when He sent His Son to the world that He was going to be rejected, that He was going to be abused, that he was going to be ridiculed, that he would go to the cross, that he would be crucified. God knew every one of those things, and yet he gave us Jesus anyway. He gave us Jesus anyway. That's how much God loved us. You see, we owed a debt that was so large we could never repay it. It took the perfect sacrifice, and His name is Jesus Christ. I wonder this morning, do you know Him today? If you were to stand before Him today, would He say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Or would He say, Depart from me, I never knew you. And let me tell you, He's going to say one or the other. He will say one or the other. Which will it be for you? 
I want you to know if you're here this morning or if you're hearing my voice this morning and you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, then you can, do, you can take care of that today. And then we see that since God loves us like that, then we should love one another. If we want to know if we want to know what God is like, how He loves, then we need to look at what He's done for us and also at what we should do for one another. If we are truly a believer, then God lives inside each of us. He lives inside each true believer. And that love that God has for us, for the world, it should be made visible through us to all the world that's watching. So what? And I'm asking this question to me too. Please don't think when I'm just asking questions that I'm asking them exclusively to you. I'm asking them to me too. When the world looks at me, when the world looks at you, do they see the love of God overflowing out of our lives? And again, the answer is either yes or no. It's, it's one or the other. And I pray, I pray that people are seeing a reflection of Jesus Christ as they look at me, as they look at you. Now, verse 13, it looks back to verse 12. And we're going to close with verse 13 this morning. By this, we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. He has given us of His Spirit. And perhaps you hear that, you read that, and you wonder exactly how does this happen? When does the person receive the Holy Spirit? Well, it's at the moment of salvation. The Holy Spirit lives inside the life of every true believer. And I think a lot of people have just been misinformed about exactly how the Holy Spirit works. Maybe they don't understand exactly how the Holy Spirit works, but we truly believe, this church truly believes, that at the moment of salvation is when a person receives the Holy Spirit. So if you are truly a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. It's not something that me or another preacher would bring It's in you. It's also in me. But I've been asked before a question several times, are you going to bring the Holy Spirit today? Well, yes, but not any more than you if you're a true believer. What are you doing to let that Holy Spirit out from within you? Maybe that should be a goal for 2024. Obviously, there will be a lot of people make resolutions tonight as it's New Year's Eve. My experience with New, with New Year's resolutions is the vast majority of the time they're not kept. But if you're going to make a New Year's resolution this year, let's make one of eternal significance. Let's resolve to pray more. Let's resolve to read our Bible more. Let's resolve to love like Jesus loves. Let's resolve to let the Holy Spirit be visible from within the life of us. Perhaps you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want you to know this invitation is for you. 
If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to tell you, there is nothing that you could be experiencing that's worse than dying separated from Jesus Christ. There is absolutely nothing that is worse than that. Cancer is not worse. Heart disease is not worse. I'm telling you, dying apart from Jesus Christ, it is the most awful thing, the most horrible thing that a person could imagine. So if you don't know Jesus today, this invitation is for you. And I want you to know that the way a person receives Jesus Christ, it's not difficult. It's not difficult. It is so easy that I believe children can understand it. I think, unfortunately, adults have made it much harder over the years than it was ever intended to be. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. And he would have done, he loves you so much that he would have done that if you had been the only person in this world. Even knowing that we are going to mess up, that we won't always get it right, he would die for us again anyway if we had been the people in the world then. He died for us. He loved us that much. Now, in order to receive this free gift of salvation, it does involve doing some things. We've got to admit that there's sin in our lives. We've got to be willing to ask forgiveness for that. We've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He did everything that the Bible says He did. We've got to believe that he physically died, that he was buried, that, and he rose again. We've got to believe that he's coming back again. We've got to believe that the Bible is true. And then we've got to confess that Jesus is Lord. And that confessing involves repenting and turning from a life of sin. Now, will we always get it right? Unfortunately, no, we won't. Because we live in a world that is absolutely infested by sin. But there's a big difference in occasionally sinning than intentionally living in sin. If, you, if you'd like to talk about that further, I would love to talk with you this morning about that. Perhaps this morning you're here and you're carrying a heavy burden. Maybe it's a heavy burden for a lost person. Whether or not that is a close family member or acquaintance or somebody that you have just come in contact with. Burdens can be heavy if we try to carry them by ourselves. Jesus doesn't want you to carry that burden alone. He wants you to give it to Him. Allow Him to carry that. Maybe this morning you need to come and lay that burden at His feet. Maybe this morning you realize that I need to love differently than I've been loving. This would be a, just a wonderful day to declare that. Give it to Jesus. Make that commitment between you and Him. You don't have to tell me anything. You don't have to tell me anything, but you do have to tell Jesus something and be willing to give it to Him. And finally, this morning, I just, I just feel led to include this in the invitation this morning. Since we are at New Year's Eve, this would be a phenomenal day to set our priorities correctly for 2024. What are those priorities in your life? If, if something is in your life as a priority right now and it doesn't honor Jesus Christ, that needs to change. That needs to change and there would be no finer day for that to happen.
than this morning. So whatever your need is this morning, I pray that you'll come. Use this altar during this time of invitation. And remember, amidst of the battle, in the midst of the battle, he who is in you is greater, is greater than he who is in the world. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the opportunity just to open your word this morning and spend some time in your word with these people. And Father, now I pray that you will just be in this, in this service this morning during this time of invitation. Lord, I pray that you will move freely throughout the sanctuary this morning. Lord, I pray that if there are burdens here this morning, that this will be the day that we will declare that burdens are truly lifted at Calvary. I pray that we would be willing to lay those burdens at your feet. Father, if there is somebody here that doesn't know you this morning as their Lord and Savior, Father, may this be the day that your convicting power will fall upon their heart and on their life. And Lord, I pray that we will see salvation in this place today. What a, what a wonderful way that would be to end one year and to begin a new year by declaring and confessing you as their Lord and Savior. Father, if there are people here that need to reevaluate their priorities this morning, what I pray that that will occur as well. And what I, just, I pray that as a church, when others look at us, that they will see that reflection of you. Father, may we have a burden for the lost like we have never experienced before. May it cause us to lose sleep at night because we are intentionally praying for lost people by name. And Father, I pray that we will constantly keep our eyes upon you. Lord, I pray that we will seek you each and every day of our life. And may you, may Jesus be glorified in and through us. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen.